Book two, chapter nineteen of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty, by William Bradford, rendered into modern English by Harold Paget. Book two, chapter nineteen. This year, Mr. Thomas Prince was chosen governor. Amongst other enormities that occurred this year, three men were tried and executed for robbery and murder. Their names were Arthur Peach, Thomas Jackson, and Richard Stennings. There was a fourth, Daniel Crows, who was also found guilty, but he escaped and could not be found. Arthur Peach was the ringleader. He was a strong and desperate young man, and had been one of the soldiers in the Pequot War, and had done as good service as any there, always being one of the first in any attack. Being now out of means and loath to work, and taking to idle ways and company, he intended to go to the Dutch colony, and had lured the other three, who were servants and apprentices, to go with him but there was also another cause for his going away secretly in this manner he had not only run into debt but he had seduced a girl a maid-servant in the town and fear of punishment made him wish to get away though this was not known till after his death the other three ran away from their masters in the night and could not be heard of for they did not go by the ordinary route but shaped such a course as they thought would evade pursuit finding themselves somewhere between the bay of massachusetts and the narragansett's country and wishing to rest they made a fire a little off the road by the wayside and took tobacco at length there came a narragansett indian by who had been trading at the bay and had some cloth and beads with him they had met him the day before and now he was returning peach called him to come and drink tobacco with them and he came and sat down he had told the others he would kill the Indian and take his goods. The others were afraid, but Peach said, Hang the rogue, he has killed many of us. So they let him do as he would, and when he saw his opportunity he took his rapier and ran the man through the body once or twice, and took from him five fathoms of wampum and three coats of cloth, and then they went their way, leaving him for dead. But the Indian managed to scramble up when they had gone, and made shift to get home by this means they were discovered and the indians caught them for wanting a canoe to take them over the water and not thinking their act was known by the sachem's command they were taken to aquidnet island and were there accused of the deed and examined and committed upon it by the english the indians sent for mr williams and made grievous complaint and the friends and relatives of the injured native were ready to rise in arms and incite the rest to do the same believing they would now find the pequot's words were true that the english would turn upon them but Mr. Williams pacified them, and told them they should see justice done upon the offenders, and went to the wounded man and took Mr. James, the physician, with him. The man told him who did it, and how it was done. The physician found his wounds mortal, and that he could not live, as he testified upon oath before the jury in open court. He died shortly after. The governor at the bay was acquainted with it, but referred it to New Plymouth, because the act was committed in this jurisdiction, but he urged that by all means justice should be done, or it would cause a war. Nevertheless, some of the more ignorant colonists objected that an Englishman should be put to death for an Indian, 
so at last the murderers were brought home from the island and after being tried and the evidence produced they all in the end freely confessed to all the indian had accused them of and that they had done it in the manner described so they were condemned by the jury and executed some of the narragansett indians and the murdered man's friends were present when it was done which gave them and all the country satisfaction but it was a matter of much sadness to them here as it was the second execution since they came both being for wilful murder this year they received more letters from england full of renewed complaints on the one hand that mr beauchamp and mr andrews could get no money or accounting from mr shirley on the other that the latter should be importuned by them retorting that he would account with those here and not with them etc so as had been decided before viz that if nothing came of their last letters they would then send them what fur they could thinking that when some good part had been paid to them mr shirley and they would more easily agree about the remainder they now sent to mr andrews and mr beauchamp through mr joseph young in the mary and anne thirteen hundred twenty five pounds of beaver divided between them mr beauchamp returned an account of his share showing that he made four hundred pounds sterling out of it freight and all expenses paid but mr andrews though he had the larger and better half did not make so much out of his through his own indiscretion and yet charged the loss which was about forty pounds to them here they sent them more by bills and other payments which was received and acknowledged by them and divided between them such as for cattle of mr allerton's which were sold and the price of a bark which belonged to the stock and was sold amounting to four hundred thirty four pounds sterling the total value was thus twelve hundred thirty four pounds sterling except what mr andrews had lost on his beaver and which was made good otherwise but this did not stay their clamours as will appear hereafter it pleased god about this time to bless the country with such an influx of people that it was much enriched and cattle of all kinds stood at high prices for many years cows were sold at twenty pounds some at twenty-five pounds apiece sometimes even at twenty-eight pounds a cow-calf usually fetched ten pounds a milch-goat three pounds and sometimes four pounds and she-kids thirty shillings and often two pounds apiece by this means the original settlers who had stock began to increase in wealth corn also commanded a high price viz six shillings a bushel so other trading began to be neglected and the old partners having forbidden mr shirley to send them any more goods abandoned their trade at kennebec and as things stood decided to follow it no longer but a few of them were loath that it should all be lost by closing it entirely so they joined with some others and agreed to give the colony about one-sixth of the profits from it and with the first fruits of this the colony built a house for a prison the trade at kennebec has since been continued to the great benefit of the place for as some well foresaw such high prices for corn and cattle could not long continue and the revenue got by trade would be much missed this year about the first or second of june there was a fearful earthquake here it was heard before it was felt it began with a rumbling noise or low murmur like remote thunder it came from the northward and passed southward as the noise approached the earth began to shake and at length with such violence that platters dishes and other things standing on shelves came clattering down and people were afraid for the houses themselves 
it happened that at the time several of the chief citizens of the town were holding a meeting in a house conferring with some of their friends who were about to move from the place as if the lord would hereby show his displeasure at their thus shaking apart and removing from one another it was very terrible for a while and as the men sat talking in the house some women and others were just out of doors and the earth shook with such violence that they could not stand without catching hold of the posts and palings near by but the violence did not last long about half an hour after or less came another noise and shaking but not so severe as before and not lasting long some ships along the coast were shaken by it but it was not only felt near the sea for the indians noticed it inland so powerful is the mighty hand of the lord as to make both the earth and the sea to shake and the mountains to tremble before him when he pleases and who can stay his hand it was observed that the summers for several years after this earthquake were not so hot and seasonable for the ripening of corn and other fruits as formerly but were colder and more moist and subject to early and untimely frosts so that often much indian corn failed whether this was the cause i leave it to the naturalists to judge End of book two, chapter nineteen.